Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everybody Relax podcast, facilitated by your local neighborhood therapist, uh, Trey. I am the host and facilitator of this podcast. Hope that everything has been great for you. You've been doing well. You've been staying safe, COVID-free, all those good things. And it is 2021, and you have restarted with a fresh slate as much as all of us needed. The whole world needed a fresh start <laughs> in 2021 after 2020, man. And shout out to you for surviving and making it. Again, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, things of those platforms, digital sta- digital streaming platforms, ones that you may use. We should be on that. If not, please let me know. Um, I think that everything should be good if you're if you are listening to on those platforms. Again, um, like, share, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Anything that you would like to hear from us, see if I can fit it in, and we'll go from there. We'll go from there. But we appreciate the support. Um, keep pushing it out, and hopefully this year will be, actually was, be our first full year with everybody relaxing, and then, um, and then kind of almost the, almost first year anniversary of my individual podcast with the name rebrand and change, stuff like that, so, um, it's been good, it's been good, man, and, um, I should do a podcast about that, I should do an episode, huh? Anyways, um, so, welcome to second episode of season two what i wanted to discuss on this episode and i got the idea from my guy uh, chris guy from the hip-hop social work podcast shout out to him and james bell um equity matters podcast as well shout out to those guys as my guys um where we wanted they you know we talked about providing our experience through grad school and what that was like for us um, in the MSW program. Um, you know, if you're on Twitter and you're part of social work, it's a social work Twitter um, hashtag floated around um, that was created by two black women. Um, it was Crystal and, and, and Vivian, Crystal McLeod, Dr. Crystal McLeod and Vivian Taylor, I believe, that um, created that social work Twitter hashtag and started connecting folks um a bunch of social workers on twitter um and then also a big black social work twitter community as well and um that has happened over the past year i believe and i've met a lot of different social workers from around the globe um and you know have conversations with them from all different you know um levels from the bsw level msw level to doctorate level and lcsws non-lcsws therapists like you know in policy and macro track, which I want to get more into again, that's what I went to school for, you know, all these different areas, man, and students and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I've met a lot of different people and now so much to them. My social, my Twitter now is just pretty much filled with nothing but social workers and mental health professionals, you know what I'm saying? Sprinkling with some family and friends and stuff like that. And, um, but it is mostly social workers, you know what I'm saying? We talk about a range of topics from, from mental health, from social work to, you know, everything going on in the field to basketball, you know, and sports and, you know, a bunch of different types. We just don't talk about just social work and stuff. So, you know, it's been it's been amazing, man. And, and shout out to, to Dr. Dr. Crystal and Vivian for um, setting that up, you know, and, and making building those connections because we need that. And um, we, we need to be each other's um, support system working in this field and stuff like that. So it's been amazing, man. But either way, man, like I said, I was, you know, was rapping with Chris and James about um, 
doing an episode, and I was supposed to do it, I think, last year, but I, I never got around to doing it, um, around talking about my experience as um, going through undergrad, well, not undergrad, but going through grad school to get my master's in social work. And so, you know, I am, uh, for those who don't know, um, I graduated with my master's in social work in 2015. So I am five years um, post-graduate at this current moment. I'm a licensed clinical social worker as of uh, 2019. Um, And so I've been in the field of social work for about five years, but I've been in the field of mental health for about 10. Uh, My undergrad degree is a bachelor's in psychology from uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. And I got my master's in George Mason University and um here over here in virginia and um you know growing up i never i mean i I never did want to be a social worker i wanted to be a basketball player um of course that didn't work out and then you know the next day well i'm going to computers wasn't really the greatest at math um especially like trig and calc i was i was horrible at that but everything else was good and then um you know so i left computers and then i said i was going to go into um business and i wanted to own my own business and, um, you know, with the business degree, I would say I was going to get my MBA, you know, and, and you know, just do my own thing within in the business world. And, um, you know, undergraduate, man, I, I really, really showed me that I didn't want to be <laughs> getting a degree in business and uh, messed around and, uh, you know, dropped out of uh, business classes. I was almost failed out of undergrad school for real. I was on academic um, probation. And um, almost was flunked out of school for a little bit there. And um, once I switched my major to psychology, um, at the request of one of my homegirls and one of the few people I, I do kind of look at as pushing me into the field of mental health and psychology was um, Dr. Elliot, Ashley Elliot on DC, um, Dr. Vivid on Instagram and her social media handles. But she... Um, she was one of the ones that said, you know, we need more men in the field. And, you know, I, I've always liked helping people. I've always wanted to always ask the question why people behave the way they behave. And so, you know, the field has been, I've always asked that since teenagers. And, um, but never seen myself in the field. And so, anyway, you know, anyways, I started taking psychology classes as an undergraduate and, you know, doing fairly decent better in those classes than I was in my business classes and I just really wanted to own my own business I didn't see myself as a career professional I just wanted to own my own my own business and um, ultimately I did with some friends um working on doing car customs at the time and around grad school you know and so I had my first taste of a business owning one you know very early before I even uh finished the graduate degree and now I have my second business now you know doing consulting and and, and private practice but you know back then in psychology you know uh you know majoring in psychology of course you know you couldn't you know you had to go get a master's had to get a master's and so I went and um I said I wasn't going to do clinical psychology because I didn't subscribe and I still don't subscribe to everything but I didn't subscribe to all of the the theories and principles that you guys were talking about in psychology and I didn't want to be bound to those principles by being a clinical psychologist. I just didn't really, that didn't jump out to me at that time. And so, you know, I was looking at other fields. I I ran into the social work field, you know, knew limited amount of information about social work and, you know, ended up taking an intro to social work class at VCU uh, to get, you know, more knowledge about it. Of course, you know, they talked about the clinical aspect, the micro world and the macro world and 
you know, I asked the question of why don't, you know, individuals, you know, seek out the macro route more than micro. And then, you know, at the time, this was probably like, uh, probably like 2010, you know, big clinical push for micro work was happening. And that's what the professor was saying. Like, you know, you go, go micro to get your feet wet, get your clinical expertise, and then you evolve into macro. And I would honestly say, I, I mean, that has been the course trajectory of my actual career is, is super clinical work uh, with macro elements sprinkled into it. Um, and, 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 and the hope is that sometime soon I will get more deep into macro work um, and policy over time after getting this license. So, you know, I took that class and um, it sparked my interest, man, because I was really headstrong on trying to get into the macro uh, world you know I just really I just really always understood that you know yeah clinical is great micro work is great but don't nothing move outside of these policies and you know the greater systems at play that put those stresses that I always talk about on on our people on people in general that leads to the clinical work, you know, so I was really big on that, and I really sought that out initially once I first started taking that first intro to social work class, and I remember my professor, I can't think of his name, but he was a little old white man, he was, he was bald, and he had white hair, you know, white on the sides, and a white beard, man, he was, he was cool, man, he was, um, he taught me a lot about the field, um, initially, so, you know, I ended up, and, um, I had just got my, I was concerned about my GPA, so I think I had like a, I want to say like a 2.7 or 2.8. The programs required that you need a 3.0. I was trying to get into VCU, but I wanted to leave from Richmond because I had been there in Richmond for too long, for so long. And um, I ended up, um, I looked at Richmond and I was, you know, had friends at George Mason. And um, I thought about, well, let me go to George Mason and see what their program is. And so ended up going to, I missed the deadline for VCU. And so I ended up applying and, and getting into George Mason and wrote them a letter as far as why, you know, my GPA was what it was and why I wanted to get into the field of mental health um, or field of social work um, due to, you know, X, Y, X, y and Z. At this time, um, let me backtrack. Uh, when I graduated and I know I and I took that intro to social work class, I knew I wanted to get into the field of social work. I knew I needed a master's to be somewhat productive in this actual field. And so, you know, when I decided on social work, I, I narrowed it down. When I graduated in 2011, um, I found my job. So I got a job working as a psychiatric, uh, working in a psychiatric facility here in my home area as a mental health technician. Um, my first job right out of, right out of grad, undergrad, working on a psych inpatient unit um, with adults, kids, and um, teenagers. And, you know, I bounced between three different units, you know, from the mixed um, woman and man unit, men unit um, to the children and adolescent unit. And we, we took everybody from age five all the way up to 90. You know, I know that's kind of a, a stretch now, but we had, you know, we kids five years old all the way up to 90, man. And so that was that I did that for about two years. Um, I applied. So I knew I was going to grad school. I took a look, took a year off. So like 2011 when I graduated, um, I went, I worked, and then that following year in January I applied to the master's program for social work um, 
in, you know, um, in, um, in social work in George Mason University. I missed the deadline for VCU. <laughs> I missed the deadline for VCU. And at the time, VCU was a top school in social work. I didn't even know. Um, but I missed the deadline for VCU. I knew it was a little bit harder to get into VCU's program due to their, you know, credibility. George Mason um, was fairly newer program, um, but they were, um, you know, they let me in. So um, little did I know um, that this program was so new and it was still working out the old kinks. Um, it's still, and still to this day, I think still working the kinks out. But um, I, I also took that program too because they had a three-year program where you can do part-time. So I was still working. I was fresh out of undergrad. So I had to, and I was working, I was doing my thing and, you know, just kind of getting my feet wet after post-graduation. And um, I wanted something part-time to do until I get my, you know, get saved because I didn't want to jump back into another, you know, program and, and not be working. And so VCU, they had a part-time program, but I just, like I said, I missed the deadline. George Mason, uh, again, so this is the part I tell people that, like when they look at like the successes that I've had, my accomplishments, and they ask me how I did it, you know, and, and what I had to do, and or they big up how much I'm, I've accomplished. And I tell them, like, you know, this didn't come by choice. This was hard. <laughs> this was hard, man. You know, I'm working on a psychiatric unit, my first job out of uh, undergrad, applying for grad school, doing a part-time program. So what was I doing? I had a good relationship with my administration at the time, the one at the time, where, and I had enough leave um, built up that when I got accepted in 2012 and I started in that fall, I had enough leave build up from fall to the spring semester to take one day off through each, every week of the semester to go to classes. So I'll take like a Wednesday or something like that off. And, um, you know, by the time I got to the spring semester, you know what I'm saying? My, my, my administration was like, yeah, we probably have to, you know, change that up here soon. Yada, yada, yada. The thing about the first year, the part-time program, um, it was three years typically it's a two-year program and you do your internship and then you you know you do your classes full caseload first year 16 hours and then um 16 hours internship for a full caseload of 15 i think 15 credit hours or whatever second year you would do your 20 year 20 internship hours and um you know full caseload and then you'd be done well in the part-time program for george mason it was the first year was you strictly did like maybe like 12 credit 12 credit hours um each semester no internship and then the second the second semester is like pretty much like a hybrid full time, you know, not hybrid, but pretty much like your regular full time caseload. So I was able to work and still go to class. Now, I was commuting. I commuted an hour and a half each way, um, once or twice a week to school. <laughs> it um. Uh, that was an experience, to say the least, to say the least. That was an experience. And so, um, you know, a lot of people asking, well, I don't mind commuting now. I was like, yeah, I've been commuting for a long time. I commuted when I was at VCU. I commuted when I was at VCU. And, um, you know, my grad school experience, man, was, was one that I think has forever have changed, changed me. If I could go back, I would probably – 
I would probably do the two-year program or at least remember the deadline to go to VCU and stay and did a two-year and commuted. You know what I'm saying? I probably would have went that way. Um, but, you know, I think it helped me too. outside of, I think, me doing the part-time program, not really taking that little bit of year off and easing myself back back into school was very beneficial. And the only reason I say it was, it was beneficial because it gave me time to rest and, and, and kind of catch my breath because my last semester in undergraduate, I was working 30, 35 hours a week plus like 18, 19 credit hours just so I can graduate on time. And that was important for me to graduate on time so I can, you know, continue on my career trajectory. And at this time, like, you know, I want to say, let's see, 25, I'm about, when I graduated undergraduate, I was about 22, 23, I believe. And um, and I, I said I wanted to at least be finished with grad school by at least 25, 26. Um, and so that was my goal. That was personal goal for me. You know, now I'm knowing about the programs out there, man, I probably would have, like I said, even went to, checked on the deadline for VCU or looked at those hybrid programs that they had where you can go like get your get your bachelor's and master's in the same kind of five years you can do all that in five years would have did that probably if i'd known better but i hadn't researched those programs didn't know till later on in my career my undergraduate career either way man so going to george mason man and, and that was a different experience fairfax is in you know george mason is in fairfax social work program was very diverse you know there's was, was a lot of folks in there that was you know that it was like white, you know, Spanish, you know, different races, um, of all different ethnicities. And it was cool. I met a lot of cool people up there, man. I met a lot of great friends up there, man, and really um and really got to know different people. Um, uh, my professors were pretty were pretty dope, man. It was pretty intense. Um I I learned a lot, man, with, with those different professors that I had. You know, I had one lady that was strictly policy and she's she does hud she does housing urban development hud policy right now man she she almost made me quit grad school i tell that much but i ain't never seen so much red ink my first semester <laughs> in grad school and i had a problem with writing you know i was really 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 writing and public speaking right was my my crutches and which is crazy right to listen to me right now but you know she she uh was very instrumental i think in helping me with my writing skills and my policy work, and, and, you know, and so she, she definitely tested me and tried me, man, and, um, not tried me, but she definitely pushed me, I think, to be a better writer, and, um, more policy oriented, and so we did that, you know, I had some other teachers that taught me how, you know, about the, the importance of person environment, you know, I had some other, I had some black teachers that was, you know, very instrumental in shaping me as a public speaker, but also looking at the, environment as a whole in regards to social work um you had your different tracks i was in policy and advocacy track um and then you had a conflict resolution track and then you had your clinical track the thing i I, the thing about that is that i probably would have went clinical track had i known what it would look like for me going like right now in regards to my my my, no my job postgraduate but i was in policy track policy track was cool you got to take the policy courses. You got to listen to those different professors. Like I had one professor who was an adjunct who was like strictly in private practice. 
you know, and we called him the Oracle. He was like just super amazing in regards to any type of questions we would throw at him. He had something for it. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I think, I think there was there wasn't a lot of content around racial and social justice issues going on at that time. It was very still about a book program, um, social work advocate, you know, at those social work principles, very clinical and I think kind of micro based in a sense, um, very micro based in a sense in the program. Um, didn't learn a lot about suicide prevention until I went into crisis program. So I will say that. Um, did you know? And, and I mean, we did did some kind of trips to different places. Um, with one of my professors, man, um, looking at like emergency management, like what to do in the, like how counties and different areas react to emergencies, like you know, uh, floods, natural disasters, things like that. That was pretty cool. Um, seeing an incident command center, like it, that was so cool. Um, then you know, we had a project where we had to go to the um the House of Representatives up in D.C. And then we had to meet with representatives and ask them different questions. Um, that was that was amazing, and that kind of got me into the policy, the more politi- political side of it. And then, you know, some of them were like executive directors of different social services agencies and stuff like that. It was, you know, doing stuff. I had one, like one class that was with um, immigration policy that, I, that really intrigued my interest. Um, one class that talked about one of my favorite classes was um, social work and law and that brought the law into how we how we look at social work um, interventions and what was best for people in regards to law that was an amazing class so I say all to say like there were a lot of classes in there that were very that piqued my interest and that was very informative although I you know, I had to sit here, you know, I had to drive and commute an hour and a half down and back. And then the class could be like three hours. And one would say, how would you manage? How did you manage all of that? Right. And so, again, I worked up until 2013. Nah, I worked up until 2014. I was still full time employed up to 2014. And then I dropped down to part time to work. There were people in the program that did not work. Um, that was just, you know, just going straight to school. There are people that I know for one fact that worked, but they worked like full time on the weekends, like in like straight crazy hours. I would say, man, if there's there's no possible way to work and, and, and finish a social work program, it's, it's just not um, unless you work overnight and overnight is just pushing it. I, I just don't think it's any possible way to actually sit here survive and work and finish an msw program that's not online um and it's, it's that rigorous you think about this that 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 first and second year or if you're in a part-time program that second and third year and i don't know if this has changed due to the covid because my social work intern has less i think it was a little bit less hours than i had to do back in my time but you know 16 hours a week of internship hours and a full caseload of 15 hours of, you know, class time. So most of my time in 14 going into 15 was dedicated to either on the road at internship or in class. And so I'm in class you know, or at the internship at least three to four times a week, you know. So 
I would say if you're looking at an MSW program, you know, and you're working, and they told us that in the beginning of the actual semester, it's just, it's just like they said, it's, there's no possible way to be succeed in this program while you're working. And I thought that was crazy. I even tried to look for a part-time job when I was out of out of work, and I at this point I was overqualified because I still had the bachelor's degree, and I had two years' experience in actual um, in the field. Not to mention that I um, I had I maybe found a way to do it right. I was going to um, I was I was working a little bit in in therapeutic day treatment. And I was working at a school, and so I would, you know, go to work at 6, get off at 2 to 30, then leave and go, you know, go up the road to class. But once I got to that last year where I had to, um, you know, that last two years where I, that, no, last year where I had to take 20 hours of internship and, um, and, 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 and take classes, it didn't work out. And the only reason it really didn't work out was because I didn't get the internship in Richmond that I wanted versus the one in Fairfax. So you got to look at that, too. If you think you can spread the time out to actually work during the program, you got to make sure your internship is, is the internship that you're looking at doing is, is, is partnered with that, that school and is in the same area. I wholeheartedly, but the only reason I could was surviving at one point, 2014, spring of 2014 and working was I had the 6 to 2.30, 6 to 3.30 or whatever at a school, TDT, and then that gave me enough time to get to class in Fairfax by 4, and my internship was in King George. So I'm in Fredericksburg, Caroline, you know what I'm saying? I was working out in Tappahannock. I would go to Tappahannock to King George back home. Or tap and hand it to Fairfax back home. So it was like a really easy straight stretch. What I was trying to do was go tap and hand it to Richmond because it was like right there. I was trying to give them Wanami um, as an intern right there. And then, um, you know, boom, that's it. That's my, that's my, you know, go to class and then come back, go to internship, come back. You know, I had the 20, I knew what I, knew what I needed to do. Didn't work out. The issue that you had to look at these programs too. When you're looking at your internships, you want to make sure that you're, you know, you have your foundational internship year where they kind of just, you know, you just putting yourself out there looking at something. You got something you're interested in. You know, you want to check it out. Do you have your um your actual, I forgot the name of it, but your specific, like the last year, you can, you know, if you want something that you want, really want to get involved with, you can do that. Um, and, and I tell everybody when you're in that like the, in that year, you know, soak up all the knowledge you want to, but do make sure that you you have something that you want to do, like you know, you want to look into, you want to get involved in, and do an internship with it. Although I feel like you know we should be getting paid a stipend for internships, and I hope that changes sometime in the near future because I think you do have to stop working in order to be successful in the MSW program. You know, find something that you're passionate in. You know, to that can, um, well, at least that looks or aligns with what you're trying to do, you know, postgraduate. So my internship, you know, aspect was, you know, my first internship, I did an internship with a program in um, Fredericksburg. And it was with um, Rappahannock Area Office on Youth. And that was dealing with child child abuse and neglect. And it was a nonprofit. And, you know, 
I did that one because it was close to home and I could still work. Um, close to home, but at the same time, it was um, something that you know that was you know I wanted to learn about more, and I wanted to work in nonprofit. I got a lot of policy and nonprofit experience from that, along with grant writing, um, working with incarcerated dads in jail, and doing a program that's evidence based, um, you know things like that, and that was amazing. And then once that I had to transition out of that program because they kind of went under, and went with another program that work with um, at-risk at youth that was an after-school program. And that program was good because it gave me the experience to working with kids and youth at an after-school setting, working on conflict resolution ideas. And my supervisor was not a social worker, but she was certified in conflict resolution. And she was just amazing at the way she was able to de-escalate, you know, kids. And the kids loved her. And they went on, we went on trips you know, we did like pizza nights and awards for the stuff like that. And she brought, I would say she brought me out of my shell um, as a as a social worker clinically, I would say. Doing that work brought me out of my shell. And I say that to say is that even though working in psych inpatient, you're in a confined space and you get to know the, the client's over the period of time that they're there. So sometimes they're there from three to seven days. Sometimes they're there to 14, 30 days. So you get to develop and grow with them to develop that relationship. Um, with the after-school program, it was a little bit different because, um, you know, I've seen them like maybe twice a week, if that, twice or three times a week. And I didn't have the, I didn't have the strongest relationship with them at first and trying to and working to try to foster that relationship. So I think it taught me a lot of clinical skills on how to foster um, relationships with people that you don't know, or or kids or teenagers that you don't know at first to to develop some type of therapeutic um, therapeutic alliance. And 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 that's hard at times to to just go in blind, not knowing anybody, <laughs> um, not knowing this person to giving treatment to them. You feel what I'm saying? Um, or giving whatever you need to give to them, you know. So at least, like, it's like inpatient, I would know the background, why they're coming in. I'll skip the report, see that, okay, okay, and this is how we can go about it, you know. But just doing that randomly every day um, is, 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 can be a task. So you have to develop those skills, and those internship times are ways and places where you can develop those skills going forward. I did have a hand up because I worked prior to going into my MSW, which I do in a sense kind of recommend. But if you want to go straight th straight through, just make sure you, you're taking the time to pick internships that you know you're interested in. So it, it's twofold. I do like the the idea of getting your feet wet in the field first, and then going to grad school. But I but I do understand the fact of Let's just knock it out in one foil swoop, you know what I'm saying, to get it over with. I just ask that people, you know, once you go into your internship time, to make sure it's something that you're interested in or it closely aligns with what you're interested in. So that was the first internship, you know, and, and understanding and working that. And that, that, that definitely made an impression on um, me as a social worker, right, from a non-social worker aspect. Because none of the people that I worked with in that program, that first year of, of placement, were social workers. You know, they were all like, you know, 
they had different degrees. It was nonprofit, and um, it, it just worked differently. So, you know, I did. Um, so I did that. My last year placement was very, very instrumental in how I do policy work and community work. Um, I interned at Prince William Area Agency on Aging and worked under the executive director and assistant um, director, um, working with individuals who, you know, who, with older adults. And I didn't do any regularly, really direct contact because they had limited, you know, people that does that. Like it was you had your own budsmen and, you know, people that go out there to assess to see what type of services that they need in the home and stuff like that. I didn't do much of that. I did more of the policy aspect of that, which was I um I worked directly under the executive director, and you know she would take me to these different meetings that she was part of, whether it be the board of county supervisor meeting. They had um different um adults, uh, older adult like uh, senior living places that was for active adults, so they can have places of activities to go to, and um a part of that they had their own committee of older adults called the coalition on aging or something like that that would meet with her on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis to discuss what's going on in those different places so i was doing that and um i was doing that and doing that and then you know looking and then having come like sitting with her in meetings with at from like state level, the local level, and sometimes I had one opportunity to go to the federal level, and it was just so it was and it was so so cool. She was a social worker; she wasn't licensed, but she was the executive director, and she just had the experience and the know-how to to manage these different things. And so, um, that from that experience, um, and then I ended up creating a project to to look at the different area agencies on aging in the state and how they implement and how they do their programs come to find out that most area agencies on agents are non-profits they're not for-profits or by the or connected to the services from the state um or get funding from the state so the, the different type of services that they, they can utilize is is, is is entirely different so prince william area agency on aging like has a massive budget and it has a, a array of services versus Rappahannock area agency on aging. They have a smaller budget and a smaller range of services that they can offer to the people. And so I thought that was very interesting to see how those things are laid out and, and put out to, to folks. And so, um, but I learned so much from the policy aspect that I implemented that same strategies um, in my community and policy work, which, you know, developed like my community events called Stop the Violence Event, UIE, how I approach the board of county supervisors and working with the local sheriff office, like everything I do um, from that aspect was predicated off of um, working or uh, interning at area agency on aging. Um, and so, you know, that was, um, that was a good experience. So I would say like, you know, my experience in grad school was very unique and I got a lot of, um, tools and i i tried to utilize those experiences or those professors those internships to the best of my ability to build and build the social worker that i am today 
and um also to to help grow me as a as a clinician but also as a um as a macro level social worker so you know a lot like i said a lot of my stuff that i do and that i was doing in the community after i graduated Last of that in regards to like mental health in the black community or community meetings facilitating groups X Y and Z was based off of everything I learned and was taught at my internships um, over those those couple periods. You know what I'm saying? And so that's when I say you know, and that's why and and then even in my internships, like they they threw me in the fire. Like they was like, you want to do this? Let's do this. You know, you want to do that? They just gave me so much exposure. It was just like open lock and key. So when you're go to interview for these intern placements, um, I would ask them, Hey, listen, what, what can you offer me as an intern versus what, you know, what you are offering them as an intern, same thing like a job interview, but treat your intern placement the same way. Cause you can choose a couple of different placements and then you can choose, you feel what I'm saying? Um, I know it might be a little different in COVID, but you know, it's it, that's what you can do. And so I interviewed with a couple of places, you know, but those places didn't work. And some and then but you also, too, you have to manage staying on top of the school to make sure that they get you the right interviews, get you in the right placement. A lot of us didn't get placement. My, my first year. Yeah, my first year was late. So I had to I didn't start my internship place until like mid September. So I was behind on my hours, you know. You got to stay on top of them about that stuff, man. And all these programs are not perfect. And um, the stuff that they wasn't perfect about, you know what I'm saying, we definitely aired our grievances out, my cohort. And, you know, hopefully that made a change for the better. But I can't say that the, my time in that program was very negative because it wasn't. It was, it was very – it was a great experience, and I think it taught me a lot about being a social worker I do think that there needed more be needs to be more elements in regards to racial and social justice issues, um, more classes on macro level um, type of stuff, more classes on how to run a private practice, how to expand yourself beyond just being a therapist, you know, how to build yourself as being a therapist, you know, since we're, since we're pushing so much clinical, um, what that looks like, and you know, more more in uh classes on suicide prevention and education, you know, more classes on substance abuse, you know, I mean an addiction, you know, all these different things that once I got into the field I recognized that, you know, a lot of people didn't have a training on, you know, I think we need to add those to these MSW programs and I think we need to advocate more for more in depth um and more in depth policies. Uh not well more in depth classes about certain specific areas and topics in the field of social work. Um, I do recommend that if you are able to, if you're able in your internship placement, maybe your foundation or your, your first one, look at interning um, at a crisis um, department or emergency department with mental health and social workers. That's going to give you maximum clinical clinical skills and, and, and maximum with mixed with macro skills. Because crisis departments are a blend of macro and micro and, and meso, really. They're like a perfect blend of everything. And it's one of those programs or departments where I wish I would have gotten that first in my internship 
placement because then I probably would have never <laughs> took the job afterwards. <laughs> but, you know, but it, it would have gave me that experience. You know, if I got so much experience working with the, you know, these not the nonprofit and then Prince William Area Agency on Aging, then, then, um, then I know for a fact as an intern working in crisis how much clinical expertise and macro expertise I would have had uh, coming out of school. You feel what I'm saying? That would have just been, you know, uh, propelled my career even quicker and faster. So I, I really, you know, and I'm saying all this to say, I think we need to get to the point of, you know, what's your, your, your recommendations? What's this down the third of how people should navigate? You know, one, I, I don't believe you can work during an MSW program. I just don't believe it unless you line up your job and internship and school within the same vicinity. That's the only way I think you can do it. If not, it's going to be a whirlwind. Um, second, pick and choose intern placements that in in areas that you want to do or population that you want to work in or that align with what you ideally want to work in. And it's not okay if you don't know which population or which area you want to go in coming out of grad school or in grad school. It's okay if you don't know what that is. Um, but grad school is a good place to explore it. And don't be, and even if you got something that's set, you might get out of grad school and find something else. Or you might get tired of it five, ten years later and try something else. You feel what I'm saying? So even with that being said, like, you know, I had psych inpatient, so I had that little taste of, of psychiatric you know, and, and SMI, seriously mental illness. So then my internship was nonprofit and incarcerated, you know, child abuse and neglect and, and actual um, working with um, dads. And then I had the Prince William Area Agency. So I had the older adults in policy, what that looked like. And then I had at-risk youth in school and, and um, you know, working with at-risk youth after school. And I had TDT on top of that a little bit. So I had all these different areas mapped out for a while that helped my job in crisis but you know i was in crisis for so long so i did not dabble back into substance abuse so now i'm in substance abuse right now it's like my last stop before i get full fledged to doing what i want to do and um so yeah so mine's trajectory has been across the different blends uh different populations and different areas and you know work and expertise so if you don't know cool if you know cool just be open be open because social workers can be so much more than just therapists and you know caseworkers man we can it's it's a it's a big range of topics that we can do and 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 discuss and 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 be involved with you know um and so you know those are something that you you definitely want to look at and you know you want to make sure that you know you're taking the time to plan out your program what i used to do the first start of the program, because it was so much going on, is I would plan out and look at my assignments for the semester, when they're due, and, you know, put them in my calendar. This paper's due this time, this paper's due this time, this paper's due this time. And I would set boundaries within the week on on each week of what I could and could, do, could not do, you know, as far as leisure time, hanging out with family, friends, 
you know, resting, relaxing, X, Y, and Z, you know, because grad school was super exhausting, and I also took a big hit on my finances and credit um, going through grad school, and I just kind of recuperated from that last year, you know, so you got to build in those times, right? I didn't do any work on Sundays. I stopped, you know, I, I really, I got to the point where I needed a day off. So on Sundays, outside of doing my little process recordings, um, I did no work. Sundays were reserved for church, rest, and uh, football. So that's all I did, you know, say on Sundays. And so, um, because when I tell people my story of how I, you know, survived through grad school and stuff like that, they just always kind of taken back and like, what did you do? And it's like, oh, man, I, I put I built in parameters. Um, if I had two or three papers due that same week, I've always started with the smallest one first because grad school will make you learn how to write three to five pages easy. So if it was a five page paper or something like that or a three page paper, I'll knock that out first. And then I'll take on... And then I'll make sure that I start the biggest paper on um, Thursday or Friday. And then I would um, take most of Saturday and um, write that paper out. You know what I'm saying? And so, and, and that was my, my time. And so, um, or if I had to, you know, if I had paper coming up like that, I would do my research earlier in the, in the, in the actual weeks and just build out, I just build, keep building out certain time frames to, to, to find those things to add to that paper. And I'm a big procrastinator. I ain't gonna lie to you. So I had to really overcome that <laughs> and make sure I built in those things so I wouldn't be behind or overwhelmed. There are a couple of times where I have, I pulled all nighters where I was just writing paper or just editing my paper. The only time I really pulled all nighters is when I started editing my paper, editing my papers. Um, that was the only time I really pulled all nighters, but, um, in those aspects, like them 10 to 12 page papers, man, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta space them out. You gotta put them out and God bless to those who can write a 10, 12 page paper in three days. <laughs> Y'all are the goats or just in a week. Um, that's just enough feet of itself, but you know, I had to really set parameters, man. And then, you know, I also had to figure out times where I couldn't write or work. Because I couldn't write a paper past 10 o'clock. I just, I mean, I got to the point where I just got too tired, you know, and I couldn't focus. I'd go to bed. Or if I didn't go to bed, my body would shut down. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of point times where I'll be just so exhausted, my body would just shut down. And I'll wake up, it's the next day. You feel what I'm saying? So, you know, um, you know, I came out that thing, man, with a 3-7 um, of grad school. I was very happy of that. But it was a grind. But the way I, you know, I, I pushed through was, was, was putting in those barriers, um, putting in barriers and, and for myself and also barriers to protect myself. See, we always talk about putting in barriers and boundaries um, or whatever. I meant boundaries, but putting in boundaries. But we never talk about putting in boundaries to protect ourselves. And I've been really big on that. I'll put stuff, I'll do stuff in advance to protect myself later on in the day or later on in the week. You know what I'm saying? Because I know how busy I can get. I can forget things. You know, things pop up and I just get, I'll get overwhelmed, overworked up and forget all about it. But if I do it earlier when I was on my mind and fresh on my mind, get it out the way, 
then I won't have to worry about it later. That's me protecting myself, you know. Um, and um, so yeah, man, just just really mapping out, mapping out your your semester, not just your week. I'm talking about map out the semester. That way you know what's coming up. That way you know what to prepare for. That way you don't get caught off guard with something. I would literally at the first week, first two weeks of class, I would take all my syllabus and I would go through my calendar and I would look at all the papers that's due, everything that's due, and just write them in my calendar and work on them. That's it. That's it, man. And um, that's all I did. You know, so um, it's just it's 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 things to put in place to help yourself. You know, what I'm saying to make sure that you're successful in this journey. And 16 hours of internship plus 15 credit hours is not easy. It's 20 hours of internship and 15 credit hours is not easy, man. You know, you have to balance that thing out, man, and and make sure that you're doing everything you need to do, um, in order to pass, but in order to succeed and learn, get the tools that you need necessary to graduate, and um. You know, that that has been my experience with it, but it's been a positive experience, I would say. It definitely changed the way I my the way I do things professionally as a social worker. And lastly, um, you know, being it's scary being that the only African American male in some of these classes and understanding the space that you're in. The social work field is very heavily dominated by white women. Um, a couple white men sprinkle in, but it's heavily dominated by white women. It was founded by a white woman. Um, and, uh, we need more people of color in the field. I see a lot more black women out there in the field and, and, and coming social workers. The men is still lacking, even though we are out there. And I would say, um, it's a good field to get into. There's a thought that you don't make no money. That's not, that's not true. You can make money. I got raises every year when I post-grad, when I came out and uh, continue to get raises. Um, I think I make a fairly decent salary um, as a social worker right now in my area. You got to look at different areas that you're into as far as what social work salaries look like. Um, but to be a black male in this profession and going through grad school, you know, I didn't have any black male professors. and um, But I had a lot of black women. You know, and those black women were very instrumental to me um, in gaining my degree and, 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 and making sure I was comfortable in those spaces. And, um, you know, maybe I want to say five to seven brothers in the whole field of my graduating class, I think, if that. I can only remember, remember really two or three that I know of that I was close with um, during that time period. You know, of course, a couple of my other homies, one was, you know, Spanish and I think Korean. Um, they were they were cool. So the people of color, but, the, you know, they wasn't they was about the closest I'm going to get to some black folks. You know, and so I, I was so excited to see one met one of my guys there who was black and he had dreads and everything. It was just I was so excited to, you know, at least meet with him. But um, and I had a couple black women in there too that I connected with as well, um, but and I and here's the thing I I love that diversity, but it's scary because there are times where like you know just being the only black male in those spaces are exhausting or like one incident man I had like um we was doing like a we had to do a biopsychosocial on a movie movie uh a movie actor 
and I chose uh, Boys in the Hood, and I, I chose to do the biopsychosocial on Trey, and, you know, I did my report on it, you know, whatever, everybody was cool with it, I got like a B plus on it, whatever, they said I could have expanded it more, but um, one of the girls there, she was just like, she thought that Boys in the Hood was um, was a parody, like, you know, you know, don't get caught drinking, you know, juice in South Central, something like that, you know what I'm saying, like, one of the parody movies, and I was like, no, it's just a very important movie about, you know, um, violence and the, and the, and the violence in the black community, um, the different things that happen in the black community from drugs to gangs, you know, what was happening at the time in South Central LA. And, um, I said, this is a very important movie to the culture. And she's like, she didn't know, but that opened her eyes to it. And at the time I was like, dang, that's crazy. Like, that's really, that's wow. But, now that I'm more, you know, in tune and more radical, I'm like, dang, that's that's crazy. How many more of the actual people in that social work cohort was aware of that or or knew about that movie or even understood it? You know what I'm saying? Maybe I opened those, their eyes up to that um, by doing so. And so, you know, even in that aspect, I was still really heavy on African-American mental health during that time period in grad school, so I was really pushing that as well, um, and, and in a space where it was kind of, you know, really more heavily white than anything else, and so the good thing about that now, right, is that, you know, there are more of us in the field of social work, black men and black women, even though we still need a lot more black men, but there are spaces on social media that, you know, you have social work Twitter, you have black men in social work on Facebook right now, that was founded by Andre Harris, um, you know, then you have Black Male Therapist, founded by my guy Aaron Mueller out in New York, they have these different spaces and places for black men to to lean on it and be supported going through this journey um, to become social workers um, that they can lean on now if they don't have the actual professors or staff departments that look like them, you feel what I'm saying, and um, because that's important, so, you know, and if anybody's listening that, you know, wants to ask more questions in depth, black male, um, black woman, black, you know, or anybody in general that's want to become a social worker, but just kind of had questions about how to do this, that, and the third, you know, please feel free to email me or DM me or hit me on Twitter, Instagram, or whatever, and I, you know, I'll answer those questions and stuff like that, you know, but it's definitely a journey, um, I will say that even though being, you know, being that only black male in those spaces, like I, I took so many tools from that experience, that three year experience of my life. And I just applied them uh, to the work that I do today as a licensed clinical social worker and the work I was doing as a master's level social worker um, in the community of African-American mental health, in the community, in my hometown community around just, you know, social issues going on. Like I took those experiences and made them my own and learn, learn how to navigate them and just pretty much created solutions out those navigations that I learned. So that's the beauty, I think, in the field of social work and going through the grad program is, and that's one of the reasons why I went to social work is because social work, it has its code of ethics and it has its principles, but you can create what you want through social work. That's the beauty in it. And I think that's going to be the beauty in it going forward once it gets um, reestablished and and, and, and the, the 
field is kind of looked at or kind of going through some uh, a a reboot, uh, I'd say. Because, you know, after this year and what's been happening, um, it is is in need of a refresh. And so, and in need of learning how to um, eradicate those white privilege and white principles and, and racist tendencies that exist in the program course that we don't see sometimes because we get blinded by just being in the field and working but what are they actually really rooted in you know what i'm saying and so you know you'll, you'll see the dismantling i think of some of those principles and guidelines and and and, and hopefully being more inclusive and anti-racist or just um removing all white privilege and white bias in this program in this field so that everybody can be inclusive and and inclusive into the work that needs to be done but also more accepting of people of color into the field um by way of having those faculty administrations there that we can lean on and see and 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 being more involved in grassroots movements that surround the people of color or black folks and stuff like that like just being more in, in ingrained in these actual um spaces um so that it can make it okay um and reduce the stigma around what people view social work as and so that's the kind of the beauty i think in social work that i didn't think i would be able to get as a clinical psychologist um or sociologist or whatever because sociology didn't pay for the money i wasn't going to forensic psychology at the time but it wasn't booming just that um I can be a social worker and and create what I want and still, you know, be in line with my ethics and also with a matter of fact, my code of ethics um, gives me the ability to challenge what, you know, could be doomed or deemed as harm in the field of social work as a whole. So I think that's very unique in that culture is that, you know, if the field of social work is not holding up to itself via the code of ethics. I can call out my national entity and and address them as such as what they're doing is not, you know, um, appropriate and, and does not align with our code of ethics. And so with that being said, I think that's going to be the major catalyst in this, the change that we see in the field of social work. But it's also a major catalyst in letting people come into the field and letting them make sure that they create their own social worker because people have this this view and stigma of what a social worker looks like and what they do when it's so much that we can do. We can be entrepreneurs. We can be business owners. We can be therapists. We can be case managers, substance abuse, mental health, organ, like consultants. We can do so much. It's so vast that whatever thing you think you want to fight for, every policy or whatever – population that you're passionate about you can execute it and do it because social work gives you that freedom so um yeah if you have any questions please let me know um any other topics you you know you want to talk about grad school you may be looking to becoming a social worker you want to know what that process looks like you got some other questions about it you know what i'm saying if you're a black male black woman um Feel free to hit me up, man. I um, hope this episode was helpful. I was a little bit long-winded, I think. <laughs> kind of talking in circles, but I hope it made sense. You know, 
um, just hit me up. You know, you said you can email me at Gary at Uphold318.com. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Retro underscore GT. Same for Instagram if you got questions about that. Um, you know, and, and you know, God speed with you, man. I hope that, you know, you're able to achieve your all your dreams in regards to this social work thing. But I do think this is a field that we definitely need more people. But it's a field where you can kind of create what you want out of it. You know what I'm saying? You just have to be willing to put in the work to do so. Um, and I do think that uh, my teacher was right. I have to go through the clinical aspect, the micros in order to get to the macro is what I'm seeing. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what that holds in the next five years as a result of that. But um, anyways, again, we're on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any type of digital streaming platform that you are using. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe. Let us know what you think about the episode. Um, and, 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 you know, let me know if you have any questions about this social work thing, man. Um, I will see you next time on the next episode. The phrase of the day is social work is a grind, but don't let it make it be your life. You are more than a social worker and you can create what you want to in social work. Y'all take it easy.